With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. For sure. 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 Welcome to another episode of For Sure, a 200-foot podcast. I'm Peter. I'm Jay. Hey, Peter, did you know yeah. the playoffs are still happening? Did you know, the, night- did you know the nightmare is still currently uh, alive and well? Oh, jeez. Well, surely Vegas must be out by now, right? Oh, well, oh, oh you don't know. On here, let me, oh. let me check my notes, check my notes, uh, refresh. Uh, oh, my God, they're still playing. They're what? still playing. Oh, yep. my God. How how has this happened? Uh, I mean, surely it can't be as simple as Mark Andre Fleury just standing on his head the whole game, right? <laughs> oh God, he doesn't know. <laughs> uh, I mean, obviously we'll dive into that series in, in due time, but you know that that's there's another series happening, Pete. Right? I think that, so. Yeah, yeah. You know, it's not just one series left. We're not talking about the Cup final, which means we're obviously referring to da 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 da. The Alexander, the Alexander Ovechkin redemption train running through Tampa, but hitting some mechanical difficulties on the way. <laughs> um, what, are, what are your What are your thoughts so far? I mean, again, we were all pretty. I think the last time was it the last time we spoke? The, the they were they were already up one game, or they were already up two nothing. No, no, no. They I, they had they had barely just finished their series, their previous series. So yeah, last episode, I don't think the the the, the series had even started. Yeah, so we're still in the first round, yeah, or the second yeah, round. So, um, well, yeah, give us like what what's happened. I, I'm I'm interested to hear your your re- retelling of the events that have led us to this point. Okay, so the Washington Capitals have apparently decided to find a new way of uh, torturing their fan base because up until now, the Pittsburgh Penguins had been their kryptonite, their nemesis. Um, they had just been the obstacle that the Capitals could not surpass. They had beaten them se- seemingly in every way possible. This year, we got to see Evgeny Kuznetsov streak down the ice on a semi-breakaway, I think you can call it. He was pretty much past everybody. And he went five-hole, and then he did his signature bird dance celebration. And the Washington Capitals did it. They they beat the Pittsburgh Penguins to go on to the third round to the Eastern Conference Finals where they played Tampa. And it looked like that the, uh, the, the Penguin-sized monkey was finally off of Ovechkin and Backstrom and Holtby <laughs> was finally off all their backs and they went up two games to none in the series, not only two games to none, but they won both games in Tampa, meaning that all they had to do was win two out of the next five games and they had three of them at home. But as we currently record this, the lightning are up three to two, having won the last three games. And Jay, I'm not sure if you 
agree with this. I think I think you probably will. The Washington Capitals have been the better team for the majority of this series. Would you agree with that? I would I would definitely agree with that. There's something very very freeing about conquering a playoff demon, right? Like the there's there's nothing more sobering finding out that oh man, we actually know how to play this game. This is great. And then, you know, you're you're free to 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 be more creative and and branch out and I you know the, the the Steve Eiserman magic seems to be in a full effect. Um, I, I'm just very curious because you know we, we we're kind of seeing that over in the Jet series as well, where you know teams are per, outperforming but still getting the short end of the stick here, and it's really sad, right? Like yeah. it's 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 just <laughs> ugh. Like, you're you just like I don't know. It, Go go on. What, what, yeah, explain like for those who aren't in the know. I mean, like just just uh, Washington. You're so close. <laughs> so close. Yeah, and like in the last game, which was uh, which was last night, it was it was pretty much the Lightning's fourth line that really really got them to where they were going. Uh, really got them through the game, which is Ryan Callahan, Cedric Paquette, and Chris Kunitz. Uh, because we got to see the uh, the Lightning and uh, Cedric Paquette score um, roughly, what was it, 15 seconds in, 20 seconds in? I had just uh, I had just gone back to another tab from my uh, from, from my Chromecast to see that uh, that it was already 1-0. And uh, I don't even think I had sat down on the recliner yet. So, uh, that was it. Was it was not a great start? Not a great start for Washington. <laughs> <Not> great, <Bob. laughs> yeah, again, especially because Washington, for you know, for 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 right or wrong, they have this this boogeyman. They have this uh, this this burden of always choking in the playoffs, and it's kind of one of those things where you had to you had to be thinking, you know, oh boy, here we go again. You know, how are we going to blow it this time? Okay, this is how we're going to blow it this time. Um, but I'll say that the like the the beginning of the game, the Lightning were definitely better. They jumped all over Washington. But then Washington took control. I think I read somewhere that Washington had the last 20 shots of the game. Um, and Ovechkin scored on a one-timer with about a minute, minute and a half left, right around there, from his, uh, from his normal spot uh, after they had pulled the goalie. And then Washington did have some more chances, and uh, they just they just couldn't get – couldn't get it by because Vasilevsky did not look great in the beginning of the series, but since then he has been uh, what we would have expected from seeing him so far this year. Well, it's interesting to see at which times these, you know, so they announce all the Vezina nominees, right? In which, you know, I'd like to see if there's any correlation between when the Vezinas are nominees are announced and then the immediate performance of said, of said nominees in like the most, you know, in like the game that immediately follows said announcements, because it's, it's interesting because I think, the most part, all of them, you know, obviously save for Rene right now because he's no longer playing in the postseason. But um, you know, there there have been performances where you're. It's nice to just be reminded, like, oh, that's why they were nominated. Oh, winning three straight after going down two zero. Oh, that's mm-hmm. right, they are good. <laughs> you know, so it it is nice to see guys put up and and not shutting up. Um, I <laughs> it was kind of funny because the start of that. The game, the most recent Caps game. So Lightning scores. 
right in front. I'm I'm really surprised there wasn't a giant graphic that said you've lost connection to the to your opponent. <laughs> the, the first ever rage quit in a in a conference <laughs> final. Um, oh, that that would have been that would have been really great. But um, alas, they still had to play the full the full game. So you know, it's not like uh, it's not like the other thing where you can just hop on the horse again and and start fresh, and then all of a sudden you're down two nothing with barely a minute into the to the game. So. So that's nice. Uh, I, I think it's interesting to see how Ovechkin is, you know, granted this is as far as he's been. And, you know, for – think of it in the sense of like the rookie starring Dennis Quaid, right? You're, you're, it takes forever for you to get to this thing you've always wanted to do. And then you feel that, oh, well, I've put in this amount of time already. It shouldn't be that different. Not so. <laughs> once, yeah. once again, mother experience likes to – toy with anybody who likes to to think themselves um actually prepared it's the murphy's law type thing you know hey yeah you, you defeated one thing i i i think it was uh i forget if it, if it was uh uh lozo or orshinsky but they were basically pontificating that it wasn't it wasn't the penguins that ovechkin was haunted by it's mark andre flurry <laughs> so you know here you here we are thinking that you know up uh, hey the Yep, Michael is uh, Michael Myers is deranged. It's it's definitely it's definitely Laurie's uh, not brother. Here we go, and then oh man, now we have to make three more Halloweens. Cause... Oh no, I got stabbed in the back. <laughs> <laughs> oh no, there's a giant knife in, yeah. in me. But um, so. one thing that's interesting is I was uh, I went on NHL got I went on NHL.com to try to find some uh, some statistics. And it's really hard to find series statistics on NHL.com, which is not surprising because it's a dumpster fire of a website. So um, I went to Natural Stat Trick. And um, if you you haven't seen it on on the Wingin' and Motown site, I wrote an article about high danger scoring chances and the importance of them. And, of course, like I said in the article, it's not as simple as – the team that gets the more, you know, the most high high danger scoring chances is going to win the game. It's not it's not that simple. Um, but at the same time, the the majority of the difference between the goaltenders is in their high danger save percentage. And so, looking at the series, um, the Lightning have have the advantage in high danger chances for this is all at five v five. They also have the advantage in high danger save percentage by by six points or six and a half points. Whoa. Which is interesting because the overall save percentage, Washington is better by 0.02. So the overall save percentage is really, really close. But high danger save percentage is six points to the Capitals. And so kind of what that tells me is that that uh, Tampa Bay is, is making making the most of their, their high danger chances overall over the course of the series. And Washington hasn't been doing so, you know, doing doing that as much, which I think if you think about watching the game, you know, if you think about the eye test, I do think that matches up like that's that's what I expected to see. That's what I expected the numbers to say uh, based on watching. And so I'm not too surprised to see that. So um, Washington definitely has a chance. I'm, I'm not going to be too surprised if they come back and win. Uh, I think at this point, if I was going to bet on it, I would have to bet on the lightning. But I think uh, I, I don't think the series is over. Um it's gonna be it's gonna be really interesting because Washington gets to go back home for the next game to try to tie up the series, and obviously if they do that, then they're gonna have the momentum uh, even going into Tampa because they've already won in Tampa twice. So, you know, who's to say they can't do it a third time? 
Yeah, yeah, I, I agree. I, I don't think this is done for sure. It's, I'm, I, I think maybe like the, at least the first, I'm going to, I'm going to be really specific here. In the first four and a half minutes of the next game will be the great determiner of whether or not the Bolts are going to try and close this out. Just because you've now expended the energy to, to go up to, to take three in a row, right? Yeah. And and I'm and I'm very curious if there's going to be any, you know, I'm not I'm not again. This isn't like a breakthrough question. I'm honestly curious as to whether or not that, you know, I, I think like you said, to be outperformed by the opposing team and then win three like win three in a row. I mean, I think that certainly has to take something out of you, right? Like it it, it would have to drain you in some respect because. Like you're like for three games straight now, you've been weathering this onslaught of a of a Caps team that's been injected with the fountain of life and 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 whatnot, and and now you are on this precipice. So, you know, I'm I think we're going to tell pretty quick whether or not you know the Lightning have the the energy to 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 maintain that pretty early on. But you know, we're we were talking, Pete, about teams performing well and all that stuff. But there is another factor about the playoffs that is present. It's not exactly spoken about at length on air because to do so would probably be tantamount to saying like, you know, hey, you can't bomb us. Well, we'll bomb you. No big deal. Um, we are, of course, talking about the the forever variable, the, the, the constant enigma, the unstoppable force against the movable object that is – playoffs officiating right yeah okay so very recently you and i were watching puck right as we do and um i noticed that uh in comparison to most of the times we talk i think there was a a very very big spike between us just saying like and that's not called and that's a penalty or that's not a penalty i think more often than not i think i've seen non-calls start to take over the conversation more than calls that should have not, that shouldn't have been called. And it's, it's really frustrating that we are still, despite literally every major outlet of both fan and professional uh, sports journalism has said, like, why is that? Why does this double standard exist? How does it go? Did just, were the refs not hugged enough Hmm. as kids or maybe there's, it just seems so weird where you, especially after the lockout, right, where the, all these different penalties are being enforced to try and open up the game, keep skill, not tie guys up. But now you're seeing just egregious stuff not get called for the sake of we're hockey men. This, we're not going to let a game get decided because another guy got got tomahawked in the, in the shin and he fell down. That's hockey. It's like, no, no, no. For 82 games, you told us that wasn't hockey. Now you're saying it is. So... Well, yeah, because the um, I remember the 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 Vegas Golden Knights uh, game, the last one. I remember that we were talking, and I think right before and this is just one example. Right before, maybe like the last minute or two before that third goal, the one that that you know the, the one that broke the tie. Um, there were, I would say, at least three 
blatant penalties that Vegas took. And I'm not talking regular season blatant. I'm talking playoff blatant. Like you would expect these, these to be called in the playoffs and they weren't. Um, it was just, I don't know. It, it just seemed crazy that, I don't know. I, 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 I'm always been one to try not to fall into the blaming the refs thing because it's, it's such a, it's such kind of like a Homerism thing where, no matter who, no matter how unbiased you try to be, if you want one team to win, even a little bit, you're going to see the game a little bit differently. Like your your uh-huh. viewpoint is going to be a little bit biased, no matter what. But even taking into account that I did, I did want the Jets to win. I don't think I'm being biased there. I think that between the two teams, it's it really, really seemed that Vegas got away with a ton of really blatant calls that, that didn't, didn't get called. And, you know, even just a couple of them can change, change the course of a game. And now I don't want to say that Vegas hasn't been playing well because they have, but at the same time, I do think that that's, you know, that's, that's obviously going to influence the game. And, you know, going back to the beginning of the playoffs, I know watching the, the Boston Tampa Bay series, there was a lot of, uh, there was a lot of, calls in that series that seemed very sketchy uh you know there were some games where boston fans were like oh my god are you kidding me and then there were other games that tampa bay lightning fans were like oh my god are you kidding me and it seems like the 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 only consistency of the officiating is has been that it has been pretty pretty bad yeah yeah i i I agree and it's i i i struggle to see what what people are looking at or, or how this is being evaluated because I mean, I'll, I'll switch sports for a moment. Learning about how umpires are evaluated for for calling balls and strikes and stuff, and 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 it's still a problem. <laughs> so, like, I don't know what it is about either. I just at this point, Pete, it, it'd just be nice if they could just come out with a statement, right? right? Hey, this is this is this is how the playoffs will be played. It, like, make it actually part of the game, then, right? Like think of it like in Greek uh, gladiator things where you're about to enter the arena. Some of the rules will not be enforced because oh, it looks more fun that way, right? Yeah, like right. It, whereas this case, it's just like yeah, yeah, everything will get called the same, ah, except in this situation, ah, except against this player, ah, except in this uh, in this period. I don't know. It's it's really tough, and and you're right there. Is, it's tough because this is a situation that doesn't because it's so labeled as a homerist thing, it's tough to have any constructive and civil discourse about it because the only thing that people are going to jump to is that you're just mad online about your team not winning. Where it's like, no, they're very I like I don't get me wrong. Yes, I, I like the Jets. I would like them to beat the, the Vegas Golden Knights, but they're, they're certainly not my favorite team. You know, I've already pledged an allegiance to a favorite team. You know, and and between the two, yes, I'm going to watch. And you know, hey, it's good spirited hockey. Throw the chase, da da da. But just seeing very noticeable things not get called. You're like, you almost feel like you're being gaslit a little, right? You're like, but I just saw you like, what, like, what am I, how is that? Like, is the intended lesson supposed to be that when playoff hockey is what's currently happening, you don't want uh, 
some you don't want a a soft call or a or a call that would anger people the most to decide the game where it's like just call the game as you've been calling it for the entirety of your refing career you're already going to get booed anyway right you're going to get booed because sports fans are beings of pure unfiltered emotion but at the end of the day at least you're covering your end of things because you're like listen it was a slash i called a slash what do you want from me right or it's like oh i i, I could have called a slash but it's the playoffs and nobody yeah, wants exactly yeah so um if you if you agree with us if you think that the that the uh the, the series have been officiated poorly overall then uh you know feel free to jump into the comments and uh, let us know what you think all right, so we are going to go to our interview for uh, for t- this episode. We have a really great interview. We've already recorded it, so I can I can tell you that for sure. Um, it is with Dylan Galloway of uh, Future Considerations, which is a a prospect uh, ranking uh, organization, and I think you're going to really like it. Uh, we got into a lot of really good stuff, uh, both league wide and uh, specifically for the Red Wings. All right, so when we come back, we'll have that for you. All right, our guest today is Dylan Galloway. He is the head scout of Eastern Canada for Future Considerations, covering the NHL draft. He's also a video tracker for the London Knights. Um, just so, just to make sure we don't forget at the end, you can find him on Twitter at Dylan Galloway underscore. So it's D-Y-L-A-N-G-A-L-L-O-W-A-Y. And then there's an underscore at the end. All right, Dylan, how are you doing today? Good, thank you. Thanks for having me on, guys. Yeah, we're really excited because... Like we say a lot, you know, this podcast is is dedicated to the entire NHL. But since we started off through winging it in Motown, we have a lot of Red Wings fans that listen to us. And this year, more than uh, any other year in the in so, some people's lifespan who are listening to this, people are caring a lot more about the entry draft. Last year, obviously. We had the highest pick we've had in a very long time, but this year the pick is even better. Uh, so we're going to get to we're going to get to some stuff that will relate to uh, questions that our fans have. But we're just going to start off with our our general kind of bio thing. So basically, how did you get into hockey first of all, and then how did you get to where you are now? So I actually got into hockey uh, through a friend. Um, he started working for so Levi Hale. I'll give him a I'll give him a shout out. Um, he started working for a company called Pacific Four Sports. It's a sports agency from uh, uh, Calgary. Um, so they're a boutique uh, sports agency. And he got in being kind of like a recruiter um, and a scout for them in Ontario. Um, and when I was in high school and when I was in uh, in my undergrad at Western University, um, I, I always knew that I wanted to work in hockey. Um, and when I found out that he started working with this, uh, with his agency. Um, I just messaged him out of the blue. He's a, he's like I said, he's a friend of a friend. Um, and so when I messaged him, I just said, Hey, could we get coffee and, uh, and you know, tell me a little bit about this. Anyway, long story short, um, I ended up getting in contact with the head agent and, uh, and kind of started off from there, just, just filling out game reports and sending in, and, uh, in scouting reports on various guys from minor midget, um, in the London area. And, uh, so after, after that, I, I was at Pacific Four Sports for about a year and a half, two years. Um, and it's pretty tough, um, in the sports agency world, um, especially if you're a really, a really, really new, um, agency 
which is what Pacific Four Sports was and and still is a little bit. They don't. I don't know if they have any um, NHL players quite yet. They're still like working on that. Um, but then I got a message from Dan DeShane, uh, who works who worked uh, for uh, Future Considerations at the time. He was the head Ontario scout, and he now works for uh, a USHL team as a scout. Um, and so I auditioned kind of for them, um, and, uh, and have been working with future considerations ever since. So that's kind of how I got into it. Nice. Well, that, uh, Hey, once again, folks, listen up. It's not what, you know, it's who, you know, yeah. and, and, and what, you know, and well, <laughs> let me finish my poor pun. <laughs> Good Lord. Anyways, Dylan, that's, that's fantastic. So, um, it, st- sticking with the you know, uh, career trajectory thing. Um, when, when you're looking at how players are being developed and then, you know, how how they usually end up. I mean, so right now, and, and for those listening at home, I, I actually am really excited because, uh, and this may be the first thing that I've uttered out loud, believe me, it, it'll all make sense after this really stupid intro to what I'm about to ask. So... <laughs> Dylan has a an NDA, which if you're paying attention to current events, you should know what an NDA is. Uh, with the with the gold with the uh, I just about to call them the Golden Knights. That's, that's <laughs> terrible. Uh, with the Ontario <laughs> London Knights, and uh, I, I don't know if I have a question that would make him infringe upon that, but just in case I do ask something like that, Dylan, we we want to give you a chance to to have like a context answer where it's like, hey. Uh, it's really rainy outside, meaning, ooh, I can't really ask that. I can't really answer that. Or, oh, and then obviously if it isn't, you can answer it to, to the best of your ability. So now that, now that that's out of the way, why do you choose to work for a, a team that uh, created the monster that is Corey Perry? Is that- <laughs> um, you know, it was, it was kind of like, again, luck of the draw is just who you know on Twitter. Um, <laughs> and uh, and I, I messaged uh, – um, Sorry, I'm forgetting his name now. Um, I have to go through my messages quickly. Um, this is what happens when you work with people, Corey Perry. Your mind gets warped. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I messaged uh, Paul Simpson on on Twitter. They were just looking for video trackers, and it's just you know, hockey's a hard thing to get into, and mm. any any route that you can take to get into this world. Um, I know there's a lot of questions about asking about how I get how you get into the hockey world and and it yeah. is a little bit about who you know, but it's also, um, you know, you got to put in the effort and, and kind of stick your neck out there a little bit. So I just messaged them on Twitter and, uh, and said, I hear you guys are looking for uh, video trackers. Um, can, I, can I do that for you? Um, and then after like a little phone interview, uh, ended up being able to do that. And, and really all I do is, uh, as far as I think I can say, um, I just watch game uh, game tapes of uh, of OHL teams and uh, and track things that happen on the ice. I can't go into what I track, but you know, <laughs> ah, it's, yes, it's, it's rainy outside. It is, it is a little bit starting to rain a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <laughs> perfect. 
just like a follow up to the, you know, because like you said, uh, you know, uh, I know you had a chance to read through uh, some of the mailbag questions and, you know, not surprisingly, uh, you know, like when we had Craig Custance on, there was a couple of people like, you know, hey, I want to write for a site like The Athletic, you know, mm-hmm. how do I do that? You know, like, I mean, it's it's a it's a pretty standard question, uh, but I'm, you know, I'm glad that people ask it. So let's say and 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 i know this is this is uh it's kind of similar i listen to uh this this podcast called script notes which is about screenwriting okay. uh because i'm an english teacher i like to i like to write and I, I i teach an elective in screenwriting and people always ask like these two guys like one of them is the guy that wrote uh um like hangover two or three or whatever uh you know he's written a lot of like kind of like the broad comedies and oh, wow. the other guy the other guy wrote big fish and go uh so they're you know they're both very accomplished screenwriters and every screenwriter they have on the podcast has a different route to get to where they mm-hmm. are so i know it's i know it's something you can't just like there's not like one answer but let's say somebody's you know sitting at home and they want to you know, their final goal is to get to where you are or, or, you know, or even beyond that. Yeah. So they have access to, you know, let's say they have either through video, you know, either through like online or through TV, you know, they can watch either NHL games or minor games or, or whatever, mm-hmm. and they can sit down and they can do stuff. So like, what would you recommend that they start to do so that when they reach out to somebody and they say, okay, what do you got? They're like, okay, here's what I have. Yeah. So hockey hockey.tv is a really good resource um we have it at future considerations and you can just watch um various like ushl um i don't think the chl is on there quite yet but um various junior leagues and stuff like that um but really just start writing things down um when i started at pacific four sports i mean i played minor hockey but i played like house league and at most rep b so it's not like i'm coming from a background of having played the game um I'm also not an analytics, you know, like I'm not a computer boy. Um, Mm. So I'm also not coming from that perspective. Um, But just starting to write things down and and recognizing what you like in players um, and then talking to other people. Um, One of the things that that everybody recommended to me when I was coming up um, to get to the point where I'm at right now and what I'll continue to recommend to other people is it's important to get into the ranks. Um, if, if there's a team around you that has prospects that are, you know, going to be NHL eligible or USHL eligible, NTDP eligible, um, CHL eligible, any of those prospects, just go to the rink. There's you, you'll, you'll see the, uh, scouts up in the corners of the rinks, just sit around them. Um, if there's showcases around you, um, every, uh, September, there's a showcase in Toronto. Um, actually, not a showcase. It's a it's a minor tournament, and it's called the Toronto Titans tournament. And it kicks off the GTHL season. Um, there's a lot of OHLers that come out of the GTHL and obviously move on to become NHL players, like PK Subban, uh, Stamkos. They were both, um, I believe, on the Junior Canadians um, in the GTHL. So just going and watching those players and writing things down, getting in the rink, kind of getting your face recognized a little bit. And then you'll, you'll start to see guys with team jackets on um, for OHL teams or NHL teams and just talking to them. They're usually fairly approachable. Sometimes there's a little bit of an old boys club feel going on, but um, Mm -hmm. and then beyond that, if you're, 
if you want to get more recognized and, um, you know, have people start to recognize you and, and trust that you know what you're saying, start writing things on a blog. Um, that's, that's another way of doing it. Um, scouching on Twitter. Mm. Uh, he's, I think his Twitter handle is like a mix between uh, scouting and couching because he watches a lot of the games <laughs> online. That's beautiful. I'm so <laughs> jealous that he was able to grab that. Um, but he, he watches a lot of game uh, online and, and through, I believe, hockey TV and, and just various streams. And, and if you go read his blog, he's, he's really good and uh, smart and um, has a lot of really good opinions. So it's, it's really just working on your voice and finding success in players. So if you really like something about this one player and he continues to move on and becomes successful, well, what did you see in that player that made him successful? Because obviously you recognize something. Um, sure. So I think just practicing that um, really, really helps. And, and you do need to be dedicated to it um, because it can, it can be a little bit demanding. Um, so just having the work ethic to, be able to get to the games or watch games and sit down and write things down. Well, there you have it, folks. Once again, another profession where you have to put the work in to, 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 to succeed. It was, we know, we know you were expecting something different, but once again, we have to <laughs> preach that, you know, learning your craft, being dedicated to it, reaching out, building connections, networking, the magical, the magical word of the, the interconnectivity sphere. Yeah. So sort of drop so many cliches on you guys. <laughs> it's fine. Yeah. No, no, no. We, we don't want anybody to listen to this and think that there's some, you know, seven 11 quick fix to just be the tracker of secret, uh, under, under dwellings, uh, under dealings with, uh, the London Knights. Um, so, uh, okay. So on the subject of practicing things and then also getting a good eye for when you see something, uh, uh, one of our other reader questions, I have no idea how to pronounce this. It's M K E L. O-N-N, Michelon, Michelon, Michelob. I'm sorry, it's not an easy thing to read. <laughs> but I think they have a good question, especially speaking to your point about, you know, learning and watching and, you know, finding, signing some it factors. So at what age, in your opinion, do you see if a kid's going to be a stud? And then, you know, kind of as a follow-up, and I'm actually more interested in the second part of this is where I think we are going <laughs> – I'm really upset that we are sprinting towards a future where if a child two weeks out of the womb cannot <laughs> do an inside out deke and go top shelf on a national league, national hockey league goalie, they're never going to make it. They're not going to make it to the NHL. <laughs> and, and it's, and it's really frustrating, but I'd like to think that that's still a ways off, but as it stands right now, this person also uh, mentioned in their question, how in Sweden, there's currently a debate about kids have to make it at age 14, yeah. 15 and like, at 14 and 15, the only thing I was concerned about making was like mac and cheese and, <laughs> you know, uh, tr- trying to make the coolest picture of Wolverine at the time to try and show off to friends. So, um, yeah. So what, what, what age do you think is like the, the part where eyebrows start to raise and then beyond that, you know, how, how, how having the kids like, you know, what's like the latest you've seen someone kind of develop as it were? Yeah, so I actually have a couple of interesting stories about this. There's um, two kids, um, each back-to-back. So one is going to be drafted this year, most likely. His name's David Levin. Um, And there's another uh, guy, uh, Greg Murielis, 
and his draft year was last year, but I believe he'll get drafted this year as uh, as a second round or as a second opportunity draft eligible. Um, so Greg Murielis, I saw him in his Bantam year. Uh, so he was about 13. And this was the first year that I was uh, scouting for uh, Pacific Four Sports. And so I, I inquired about whether he had an agent. And he had already had an agent for a year. And this kid was 13. Wow. And then, so watching him on the ice, he was absolutely fantastic. I watched him pull off moves that some NHLers dream of, just inside out on defenders and, you know, he looked like the next McDavid at, in this in this one particular game that I remember. Um, and he didn't get drafted last year. So the fact that he looked so good at a young age and then it seemed like people kind of caught up, I don't think that there's a golden age that, you know, kids just kind of figure it out. Like, if, uh, if a kid is really good at such a young age and then everybody else kind of catches up to him, well... Is that because he's not working hard or is that because he actually wasn't that good and just had a size advantage? Greg Mirellis is, is still extremely fast. Um, I still th- believe he he's, should be drafted. Um, but, you know, he, he isn't as highly offensive. So did he just, like, not figure it out? Was he not, did he not have the hockey smarts? Um, there's a lot that goes into becoming an NHL player. Um, and it's and it's really hard thing to do and really hard thing to see from such a young age. Uh, David Levin, on the other hand, uh, he was playing in Israel. Um, he was playing, I believe, roller hockey. He came over here. He moved over here again, I believe, in his bantam year. Uh, and that was, I believe, from from what I've heard, that was one of the first times he strapped on skates and played organized ice hockey. <laughs> and he was thirteen, fourteen. Right. So yeah. a completely different path. Um, and this is his first draft year. Now, when you when we saw him uh, in his in his minor midget year a few years ago, he was fantastic. And he was the first overall selected for the OHL to the Sudbury Wolves. And now he's probably going to be fifth round. So, again, highly touted player um, in the OHL draft and then kind of lost it a little bit. Um I mean, he is playing on Sudbury, so it's a little bit tough. Um, they're not known to be a, a very good team. Um, but, you know, again, two different paths of kids who, one, had been playing for a long time and had the the look of a, of a really high-quality, fantastic player, and the other one, you know, hadn't strapped on skates and played organized hockey his entire life up until he <laughs> came to Canada. Um, so it's... I'm... I'm of the personal belief that you need to be doing a lot more than just playing hockey. Um, I don't, I don't think that that's a good route to a true NHLer. Um, you need to be able to do a lot of different things and hockey isn't the end all be all. Um, so I think that there's a lot of different paths and, and it's really hard to see how certain players get to where they are. Because like you said, uh, even for scouting, it's, so many different paths there's so many different ways to get into this um and for prospects it's it's very much the same thing um you know if you're really good at baseball maybe you have really good hand-eye coordination so your puck skills are really good um and stuff like that so i don't know if that answers the question 
<laughs> no, I, I think it definitely does. I, I think it definitely does. <laughs> yeah. Long, long-winded way of answering the question, maybe. That's yeah, what I we're mean, about here on, on, on for sure. Long-winded, for sure. <laughs> for sure. Yeah, I, mean, I, I thought that one of the things that you said was really interesting to me because I'm, I'm a, a high school tennis coach and we had a kid come out last season who'd never played tennis before, but he was a baseball player. Mm-hmm. And so he had really good hand-eye coordination. You know, he was used to swinging something and, you know, he had really good footwork because he was used to kind of quick steps Absolutely. playing baseball. Yeah. And he picked it, he picked up tennis in like a couple of days. Whereas I get other kids come in who never played and it takes them weeks to, you know, really hit the ball, hit the ball over the net consistently. Absolutely. So I think there is a lot to be said for not just, if you know, if you want to be a hockey player, not only playing hockey 365 days yeah. a year, yeah, um, you know, par- I mean, partially because you know we, we started to see that people get hurt uh, yeah. a lot more because of the repetitive, in- you know, the repetitive motion. Mm-hmm. Whereas if they're playing another sport, they get to exercise different muscles in different ways and stuff. So, um, okay, so I have I have a two part question, and I, I think the first part is hopefully pretty quick. If not, then that that would be pretty interesting. Um, but so. Leading into this draft, and obviously we still got a little ways to go, but leading into this draft, it seems like the general consensus is that uh, Rasmus Dahlin is, you know, the number one pick, you know, definitely. Mm-hmm. Um, from what I understand, it's, you know, from what I've been reading, it seems like Sveshnikov and Zadina are the next two. Most people have uh, pretty much everybody I've seen has Sveshnikov second and Zadina third. And then it seems like there's kind of like a like not not necessarily a drastic drop off, but it seems like most people agree that like those two are better than the next players coming up. Yeah. So so the first part is 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 that pretty much it? And then the second part, this is more like a Detroit thing because I noticed when I was reading the uh, the future considerations um, draft preview, which I'll I'll give you a quick plug for. It's (laughs) I think 1999 Canadian, which. I got it in America and it was like 16 bucks. Uh, I get it every year uh, and it's it, lots of really good stuff in there. So definitely give that a, give that a look. Yeah, Awesome. Um, Thank you. <laughs> you're welcome. Yeah. So I, I read in your section, you talked a lot about Evan Bouchard. And so the Red Wings are picking sixth. It seems likely, you know, it seems like, you know, those are probably going to be the first three. Then you got Kachuk, Wallstrom, probably unless one of those four or five teams wants to take a defenseman. Mm-hmm. Um, so do you think, because we got like Bouchard, we got uh, Quinn Hughes, we got Bockfist, uh, Ty Smith, I think is in that mix. Do you think that there's one defenseman in that group that you think is noticed like a, even a little bit better? Because they all seem to kind of be shuffling around in draft ranking. Yeah. So I was curious about that. Um, so one thing that I would say is that um, when looking at the age of these players, uh, Bouchard is a lot closer to having been drafted last year rather than uh, this upcoming draft and Buckfist, um, his birthday is um, much closer to the cutoff of this draft year. So he's much okay. younger um, in terms of this draft class. So you have like almost another full year of development on Evan Bouchard. Not to say that he's not as good. Um, it's just, you know, he gets another full year uh, essentially of uh, development. So that's definitely one thing that I always take into consideration. Um, but Evan Bouchard is an excellent defenseman. Um, he has this innate ability to find passes that even as a scout, he's one of those kids, and this is a complete cliche, but 
you kind of question what he's doing. It looks like he's just giving away the puck, and all of a sudden, a forward just kind of appears out of nowhere, grabs the puck, and <laughs> goes down the ice. Um, and it's it's yeah, it's it's absolutely incredible to watch. Another thing that he is incredibly capable of doing is uh, getting tip-ins from the point. He's got this mm-hmm. a little bit of a floater of a wrist shot, and he finds these seams to allow his forwards who are covering the goalie to just tip it in. So that's what I love about him. He's He just finds these incredible ways of getting the puck up the ice and, and getting it on net and, and creating scoring chances. Bockfist is uh, a little bit smaller. Um, and, and again, the other thing, um, just looking at handedness, if a team needs right-handed defensemen, which we know is a hot commodity in the NHL at this point, um, this draft is full of them. Um, yeah. yeah, you've got Bockfist, Bouchard, uh, who else is in there? Um, Noah Dobson. Noah Dobson, yep. Yeah. And Bode Wild. He's another good option yeah. there too. Um, but Bockfist, from what I've heard, and I don't get to see a lot of him because he's over in he's over in Europe, so um, I'd have to defer to uh, to the European scouts on that one. But you know, small, offensively minded defenseman, again, kind of gets the puck up the ice and and will get it on net. So I would, if I'm if I'm Detroit and Bockfist and Bouchard are there, honestly, I'm probably going with Bockfist. Um, just that. The edge goes to Bockfist just based on the extra year of development that he gets to have um, because of his age. Cool, yeah, because I know for uh, a lot of Red Wings fans have been looking at Quinn Hughes, mm. uh, par- you know, partially because of the obvious local connections, but also because from what everything you know, from what I've been reading, it seems like he he seems to be better than the other options in terms of skating. Like it seems like his skating is unbelievable. Yeah. I would say that um, maybe him and Bockfist are a little bit closer than Bouchard is on the skating. Bouchard is a little bit, um, not that he's a bad skater. Um, Mm. He's just not as, I don't know. It's, it's hard to describe. He's um, a little bit more laid back than the other ones. Um, but yeah, Quinn Hughes is obviously yeah, a really good option. But again, um, October 14th, I believe, is his birthday, 1999. So again, you have that disparity in, in age gap. But um, and, sure. he, and he also shoots left. So again, if, if you have a right shooting defenseman that's a year younger, I might be inclined to go with that guy just because it is such a um, – a right-handed defenseman is such a uh, hot commodity in the NHL. Um, but sure. Quinn Hughes is is a good option, and he is a really good skater. So um, it's it's his straightaway speed, I believe. That's his uh, that his is so much different than the other ones. Um, and he just gets up the ice really, really quick. Cool. We all enjoy getting up the ice pretty quick, right, Pete? <laughs> <laughs> I'm trying to remember the last time a leisurely stroll up ice was something a coach was was commending players for. Um, <laughs> So, Dylan, based on, you know, what you've seen so far, and we, we all know that, you know, there, there is the popular conception or popular uh, belief that, you know, when it comes to NHL drafts, the there is a stark drop between, like, a number one versus a number five oh. and, and whatnot. So, what, so I feel like this type of question is always, like, it's almost a, 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 a 
an unanswerable question due to um, just the way literally the hockey universe works. So are there any underrated players that you, you can go? I mean, yes, at the end of the day, we are uh, Red Wings fans and we all like to tout like, hey, we found Datsu, you know, behind a tree somewhere. And then we found Zetterberg, you know, having a milkshake at the diner where nobody was looking. Right. But, you know, obviously the, everybody's got more exposure. Everybody's looking everywhere now. But, you know, in, in these days, is it I guess my other further question is, is it possible to be underrated now? I mean, it, it, it's strange because you're going to get drafted. And then depending upon how your skills fit into a, uh, an organization, they're, all, they're obviously going to focus their development to, to, to accent what you're able to do. So, so for this draft specifically, but then, you know, if you feel like it maybe in broader terms, I mean, in terms of being underrated in a draft, you know, who's, who do you think is, you know, kind of like, oh, okay, well, I'm kind of surprised they're that low. Or, you know, you know I, I guess it's tough to tell, obviously, ahead of time because the draft has yet to happen. But Yeah, it, so – one of the one of the things that goes into that too is you'll watch kids fall uh, during draft day, and so if somebody starts to fall and then um, was rated you know top twenty five but falls to you know forty or something like that, well, yeah, was there, was there a reason why that why he fell so far? And he's, is he now was he overrated before and now he's you know about where he's supposed to be? Um, I think one of the guys that um, that I find to be not underrated, I guess, at this point, because so many people have latched onto him as being one of the underrated players that he's now probably rated like <laughs> where he's supposed to be. Um, is Liam Foodie, and again, London Knights guy. Uh, sorry, everybody, but I'm just gonna keep harping <laughs> on the London Knights because they're a really good team. Um, <laughs> um, but I he came onto the scene this year um, and just kept going and going. Um, I didn't love him at the beginning of the year. Uh, he was kind of buried on the London Knights. And then they traded away, uh, I think, three or four of their top uh, five players on the team, including Robert Thomas, who's um, going on to uh, compete for another Memorial Cup. Um, but once they got rid of all those players and he was able to get all this ice time, he just springboarded up the, up the draft rankings. Um, his speed is just ridiculous. Um, he's got quick step and, and not only that, but he can think at that speed too. Um, I know that Detroit has, dra- has drafted these kind of guys in the past few years, really, really quick Athens, you, um, and, uh, and Larkin, um, but not everybody can think at that speed and correct mm-hmm. me if I'm wrong, but I think Timu Polkanen was, was one of the, was one of those types of guys who actually had really good speed, but his hands couldn't quite keep up with, with where his feet were going yeah he never really seemed to like find a place yeah yeah and i think well you mentioned that because like i guess i'm just confused because wait what you're saying is ice time helps a player develop oh it's weird isn't it like like you're saying how like uh, if a player is given an opportunity to play and evolve that they'll get better (laughs) it goes against all the things that i've seen from my net from my popular club this is it's, it's are, are, are you sure that this isn't one of those it's rainy outside questions you're not allowed to answer? It sounds like groundbreaking information. No, it's uh yeah. <laughs> it's it's kind of weird, isn't it? Not not just keeping a guy down on the fourth line to to get him on the NHL team, you know? 
Um, yeah. So yeah, it's, it's kind of strange getting getting a guy some ice time makes him a better player. Um, <laughs> you know, Pete, this is the, this is the most revealing and important interview we've ever done. Oh, I am gosh. so glad we know this now. <laughs> I mean, like the next the next thing we we know, we're going to be hearing about how you should keep players together uh, for, <laughs> oh, more, for more than two whoa, shifts. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Yeah. Oh, you're you're talking about chemistry. Oh. Hey, the last time I heard about chemistry, it's don't do it. Otherwise, you're going to burn your eyebrows <laughs> off, kids. So I want nothing to do with chemistry. Yeah, if guys don't have chemistry in the first four minutes that they're on the ice together, then it's probably not going to work. Yeah. Eh? Exactly. Right. Um, oh. All right. So so the, the 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 fun thing is that a lot of the questions in our in our mailbag have have been answered just in the course of our conversation so far. So I'm, I'm just jumping around to see if there's other ones. Cause like, I, like I always say, we always like to have people sending questions. Sometimes, sometimes we're not able to really get to them just because of the way the conversation goes. Mm-hmm. But um, this one, yeah. So uh, Anthony, see you has a question where he says, I saw that. It was um, clever, clever name. Yeah. We kind of, kind of talked about this a little bit and I, and I agree on the name. It's a cool name. <laughs> uh, so are there any players that you see because Detroit's going to have, uh, a pick right at the end of the first round and right at the beginning of the second round. So we have two really, you know, almost like end of the first round picks. Mm-hmm. So are there any players that you see that you think will be available right around there that you think have the potential to be, you know, like are those kind of like really high ceiling players, but maybe it's more of a risk? Yeah. So I was talking about this with another one of our scouts and I see Ty Delandria in a Detroit uniform, just the way he plays. Um, He's he's got a very underrated shot. He's extremely hardworking. He's uh, just a complete two-way player. Um, I think he's got a lot more to give. He's playing on Flint, um, so again, not a not a fantastic team. Um, so I think he's got a lot more to give, and I think with some really like high-end development, um, he could be maybe not top line, but like a really really good second line center um i see i see a lot of like development in his game over the season um and he's he's really really smart really strong um got good speed and and i just think that his shot is really underrated um he he just like rips it into the net sometimes so i think so detroit's got what the, the 33rd pick um he should be there on the board um and I don't see any reason why they don't take him there. I think he fits in perfectly with them and, and could grow to be like a, a solid, solid contributor in the top six. Yeah. Also, we have a shortage of cool names. Yeah. So I, I, I'd be down. <laughs> I'd be down. For that. Um, so uh, Dylan, uh, being the, being a, a, a London night person, I first of all have to give a, a, a compliment because I, I feel like one of the, the, the London Knights logo, I mean, I, you said you listened to a couple episodes, so I, 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 I'm i the resident, like, hockey team look, jersey, aficionado, czar, as it were. <laughs> and um, I really like the London Knights logo because it almost reminds me of the demonic furnace from Home Alone, just the way the, the helmet has, okay. the like, the slats to, to open. So congratulations <laughs> on, on that for, for having a a really nice uh, logo to work with. Um, very recently, I mean, I guess this is maybe just like a, hey, did you did you see this recently? Someone showed me uh, a, a tweet. It was, I don't know if it was from the IHF or if it was the IHF that tweeted it, but they were showing 
this tracking tech that was basically an overhead view of the rink with all the players got circles around them and then very close to live pass tracking. And um, I, I mean, as, as, as Peter knows, I'm an avid fan of NHL. I like play, uh, NHL 18. I like playing the overhead style and just being able to see the whole ice. That stuff was far out. And I don't know, like, is that where like we're trying to get to? Is that the, the level of tracking that, we think that we would like to get to at some point to, to give a better plan, or is this like a, a novelty and everyone's just going to keep calling us hockey <laughs> computer boys? <laughs> um, as far as I know, I, there aren't any OHL teams or CHL teams that have anything close to that. I did see that tweet and it was amazing and, and incredibly cool. Um, I believe um, Sportsnet uh, or Sport Logic has something similar to um, that type of player tracking. Um, they use some sort of machine learning that uh, is able to like create the player. And, and that is totally where hockey needs to go. This whole bio uh, tracking and tracking a player. And, um, and I think, you know, seeing the efficiencies in players skating and the, uh, and the efficiencies in, and how they move their body up and down the ice and the efficiencies and um, how they move as like kind of, it kind of looked like an organism a little bit. Um, yeah. I, I honestly, it's an, it's an amoeba. Yeah, it's, exactly. it, it sees a threat and it must absorb it. And, and take it out. <laughs> yeah. I, that is absolutely where I see the next kind of big breakthroughs in, in analytics. I mean, I don't, I don't have any sort of insider information or, um, or knowledge to, that going anywhere but um but yeah that's definitely where things should go for sure i think it's such a it's such it's a part of the game that you you can't show a lot of people unfortunately right now um and uh so yeah i think i think we could do a lot better in that and um i I, i'm really kind of sad that this technology did not exist (laughs) in the er, in the early aughts if only then we could have either decided maybe Michael Samuelson or Robert Lang aren't the best choices <laughs> just in terms of just floating. Cause the way, the way that video showed the players, like you could almost, I thought it was really easy to identify the guys that are just kind of maybe, you know, granted, I know there's a bit of a chess game involved. Like you'll purposely sit back a little bit on plays, watch them develop and then try to position yourself correctly. But like, I feel like if they just track that for like any one game between like 2000 and 2004, and, and like they just sit Robert down and be like, "This is what you're doing. Why are you doing this? Please stop." Yeah. <laughs> or like on on the Capitals power play, it'll be like just Ovechkin. It'll like burn into the screen. He's yeah. Just... <laughs> it's like it's like blind, like this like solid red dot. You know, yeah. like, like any if you have to look at that footage, it has to be on a monitor that doesn't have to get plasma <laughs> recalibrated because yeah. you're gonna it'll look like, like did someone put ketchup on the TV? <laughs> All right, so um, I have I have one last question, and this is this has been an awesome conversation. So, um, like I said before, there is the uh, the future consideration guide that you can purchase, and so I, I'm sure you probably can't tell me everything, but like, how do all of you who work for future considerations go about ranking these players? Like, like what's that process like? Um, it's actually really interesting. So, I uh, this season I just became the head scout of Eastern Canada, like kind of halfway through the season. So, this was my first season being kind of on the inside um, of all of mm-hmm. that. Um, we use Slack um, to kind of communicate across across the globe. Um, and 
it's it's interesting to see we break ourselves off into certain regions and then certain guys have certain players that they just really like. Um, So as a scout, you have to be really confident in your ability to know what a player is going to be or, um, or, you know, have confidence in your, in your eye. Um, So it it can get a little testy sometimes uh, where guys are really fighting for players and and guys are saying like, no, I think this guy's, it has to go here. Um, So there is, there is quite a bit of a, a lengthy discussion um, talking about uh, even just minor details. Um, you know, this guy needs to go in the in the forty to fifty range rather than the fifty to sixty range, um, or fifty five to sixty five or fifty five to sixty rather than you know sixty two. <laughs> so it can be a little bit funny right. um, that way, where where guys just have certain players that they are just locked onto. Um, but it's, it's really just like a, a wide open discussion um, between all of our scouts. And then uh, as head scouts, we all get together and kind of organize um, our own regions and then fight for certain players to uh, be ranked in certain spots. Um, so it is, it is a really interesting discussion and it's, it can be hard because, you know, I don't see every single player that we rank um, and, and neither do any of our other head scouts. Um, you know, it's, we're, we're ranking, um, I think it was like something close to 300 players this year. Um, so mm. it's, it's not, it's not really feasible for you to see every single player. Um, so it's, you got, you kind of have to trust the other, the other guys who, who have seen those players to, um, to know what they're talking about and, um, and, and have discussion, open discussion saying, no, like this guy, his skating is just that much better. Um, or is a super elite, but yeah, I mean, I, it's funny cause that's pretty much how I, how I guess mm-hmm. it worked or, you know, at least, at least for the most part. Um, so yeah, so thank you so much uh, for joining us today. Uh, we really appreciate it. Um, the, uh, like I said before, if you want to follow Dylan on Twitter, you can find him at Dylan Galloway. It's uh, two L's and there's an underscore at the end. Um, I was just looking while we were talking, and apparently the uh, the person who got your screen name without the underscore, uh, he only tr- he only tweets twice a I month. Know. So I think uh, I, know. I did. I looked I, I, him up too. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, if you want, we can start a campaign to uh, to get him to have to switch names with you. But I'll um, do it. I'll make a logo. I'll make a viral video. I'll do it. And Pete, I'm so glad you brought it up because again, we are we are not only bringing on phenomenal guests, but apparently like galaxy brain guests who thought ahead of time, like I'm going to get this handle because someone else is probably going to want it, but they're going to have to put like eight asterisks (laughs) and like a couple of special characters to make it look like it. So I know, I know you don't have the clean Dylan Galloway, but I mean, an underscore that's, that still counts. You have, it's clean. It's straightforward. I mean, you know, the Dylan guy, I'm sure, wasn't as attractive, and it's nice to have a full name and stuff. So, you know, <laughs> I, I look forward to listening to this years from now where, like, all of my kids will have, like, triple X. I like to play another triple X. Hockey is so look cool. Like those old, and then, like, six nine six nine four. look like those old yeah. MSN names that, that people used to have with all the, yeah. you know, boyfriend's names and the stars and the squiggly lines. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> Like the one with the the emoji where he's pushing down his sunglasses yeah, and exactly. That's, that's that's my email, that's my that's my internet persona. So. All right, Dylan. So thank you so much for stopping by. Yeah, thanks guys for having me on. This was a lot of fun. 
All right. So yeah, another great interview um, on for sure. Uh, so thanks again to Dylan Galloway for stopping by. Um, it was definitely awesome talking to him about prospects and the draft and all of that good stuff. So we uh, before the interview, we talked about the Eastern Conference Finals. Now we're going to talk about the Western Conference Finals. The series is now over. Uh, we waited to record this segment until after uh, the after game five, just in case what happened ended up happening, which is the Vegas Golden Knights are going to the Stanley Cup final. And I think if I had predicted that before uh, the season started, I think a lot of listeners would have stopped listening because it would have been like, why, why do I need to listen to this guy? Um, also, another thing that um, most people wouldn't have uh, have predicted going into the season is that the winning goal of the Western Conference final was scored by Ryan Reeves, assisted by Lucas Spiva and Tomas Noshek. Just as we all predicted, obviously. Jay, so um, what, what were your thoughts on this series? Well, we all know that I was a pretty staunch supporter of the team from Winnipeg. The Jets deserved this, but for some reason, the universe has seen fit to turn the anything-can-happen dial uh, so far past 11 that, uh, well, it's the, the knob's broken. The, the nozzle's been destroyed. <laughs> The doors have swung both ways. The particle flow is completely out of flux. We're in the upside down. Everything is everything is awful. Dogs and cats living <laughs> together. Dogs and cats. So I'm, uh, you know, the first two games, I was like, okay, this should be a fun series. I was thinking it was going to go every other game, kind of like the way the Pred series was. But, you know, I mean, we spoke about it earlier that there's, you know, I'm going to say at least one of these games – could have gone a little bit differently had officiating been a little bit more sharp, but you know I'm I, you know this isn't going to be hey let's find ways to 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 trash the Knights. I mean, I, I watched a post game interview already, and they uh, Scott Oak was like you know this team of castoffs and stuff, and I was like, you know what? Let's first dispel a very important fact about all this. The league forced thirty teams to cut people, okay? So this isn't 30 teams deciding to throw these players away. And you're you're talking about putting uh, GMs uh, against each other saying, hey, you know, who in our organizational pipeline do we deem the, the most worthy to be protected? And then you just leave. And, like, so there's so few protections in the first place. I just feel like sometimes the narrative gets thrown out of whack just a little bit when you're like, yeah, these teams were – like you make it sound like the – like every GM looked at every of the players that they exposed, like with already their bags packed, like get out of my house, leave, yeah. you know? So in that regard, it's like, I wouldn't call them cast offs. I would call them guys who are now suddenly playing for the Stanley freaking cup. So, yeah. And I mean, like, yeah. you know, like let's not forget that some general general managers made very, very poor decisions. Um, we're looking at you, Florida. Uh who basically said, "Hey, yeah. we'll, we we are going to force you to take player A um, by giving you player B, and player A and B are going to be two thirds of your top line." <laughs> you know, I mean, yeah. I mean, don't get me wrong. I'm not saying that it isn't an accomplishment because, of course, it is. But um, 
the, the, the crazy thing, the scary thing is that Vegas could have actually put together a better team uh, with the players that they had available. Um, but yeah, at the same time, I mean, you have to give them credit. Um, kind of like we talked about in the, uh, the, the, the segment on officiating, I think there was at least one game, if not more, where it seemed like the Knights definitely got away with a lot more penalties than the Jets did. Uh, but this past game, I mean, the Jets had their chance on the power play. It wasn't like they didn't get chances. They did. But um, the Jets power play apparently took some lessons from Detroit in which you must have 15 passes before you shoot because I don't like it. It seemed like uh, there was no sense of urgency. It was just very, very kind of confusing that yep. a team that must score at that point to, to keep themselves alive. They're just kind of just shooting it around, passing around. They didn't really seem to care. Um which is, I don't know, kind of strange. But uh, to go back to what I talked about with the Eastern Conference Final, I went on Natural Stat Trick and looked this up. And again, I wasn't too surprised to see this, that the high danger chances for was actually Winnipeg had more high danger chances for the whole series. But the high danger goals for percentage was 70% to 30% for Vegas. Um, Winnipeg's their shooting percentage on these high danger on these high danger chances was five percent, whereas Vegas shot seventeen point five percent. And then the last stat for this is that um, Winnipeg's high danger save percentage was eighty two point five, whereas Vegas was ninety five. So it's not quite as simple as saying that the the reason that Vegas won was Mark Andre Fleury, but it's not too much more complicated than that. Um, Mark Andre Fleury has had himself an incredible playoff. He had an incredible series. Uh, this series, um, he made. I, I remember there was a there was a save with about three minutes and fifty seconds left in the third period today, where I was like, "Oh yes, they're gonna score!" Oh, and it was just an incredible, incredible save by Fleury. So, um, you know, Vegas deserves it. And uh, so, Jay, if uh, what, what do you think? Do you think that uh, that the Stanley Cup Final is is going to be? Um, the Stanley cup is going to be handed to um, the Vegas golden Knights, or do you think that whoever comes out of the East is going to emerge victorious there? I forget which Dom said it. So apologies to the Dom that I don't credit this to, but props to the Dom that I think I'm crediting this to <laughs> either Filipovic or Luz Chism. But they said when, when Vegas on the opening night where they hang up their Stanley cup banner and they lose that game, everybody gets to say, I told you it can't be sustained. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Uh, I think all bets are off right now. And, uh, you know, I think I, given the way Tampa's playing, you know, if Tampa went, if, if Tampa closes out Washington, I have to say of the teams remaining, I think Tampa would be the hardest that Vegas would face in order to get to the cup. I just don't like if Washington happens to pull it out, I don't think Washington has a chance. Yeah, I think, um, this is hard because I, I, I always I always bet against Vegas and so far every single time I've been wrong and it's kind of like that gambler's fallacy thing that like, well, you know, it's come up heads 17 yep. times in a row. So yep. it's got to be tails this time. But I mean, I don't know. I'm just going to I'm, I'm, I'm going to keep on doing it. I'm going to stick with stick with my guns. And I think that whoever comes out of the East is going to win. But I don't know. It's tough because I, I was going to pick. Winnipeg against whoever came out of the East and Vegas beat Winnipeg. So 
I'm going to stick with, I think, I, I, I think you're right. I think Tampa is going to come out of the East and I think Tampa is going to beat Vegas. Uh, the reason for that is because I think Tampa has a goalie that can match flurry in terms of standing on his head. Yep. And, and plus I think Winnipeg's or not, it's not Winnipeg. Sorry. I think Tampa's power play is going to be able to cut through the Vegas uh, penalty kill in a way that for some reason, uh, Winnipeg's wasn't, which doesn't make a lot of sense. So I'm going to go with, yeah, I'm going to stick with whoever comes out of the East, which I think is going to be Tampa, is going to beat Vegas. And I guess we'll have to see. Yes, we will, Peter. Damn it. Okay, so, uh, you know, it is the playoffs. Those are the main storylines. It's not too much happening. Yeah, there's draft talk, and, you know, we've we've talked at length about you know, what, what what our expectations are for the league and then for our respective teams as well. But that doesn't mean other interesting things aren't popping up in the NHL news feed. And there's one thing that caught my eye, and I think it's an interesting debate. I, I know I have some feelings about it. I think Peter has some feelings about it as well. And the beauty part is maybe we don't agree, which means, you know, uh, more more likes and views, right? Right, Pete. <laughs> a lot of a lot of disagreements. That's what that's what sells the the bacon, right? Um, so, anyways, uh, recently there was a uh, episode of the podcast with uh, Jeff Merrick and uh, Elliot Friedman, and he was uh, bemusing the uh, trend that is happening with uh, athletes and video games. Um, for those in Detroit, this is nothing new, as we all remember. Uh, fire, fire breather Joel Zumaya was the uh, center of uh, con- controversy as being uh, a bit of too much of a guitar hero player to the point where uh, he was actually injured um, and uh, while playing this this rocking out game. And it, it was funny. It was uh, it was kind of a head scratcher. Uh, even the game so far, uh, the game went in so far as to call Zumaya out at the end, in the end of the credits when you beat the game. It said no major league pitchers were harmed in the making of this game except <laughs> Joel Zumaya. He had it coming. Oh my god! So, so I mean, again, all in good fun. Uh, you know, I've seen Zumaya still be able to pitch pretty well. After that, but it it was a quirky little thing. So this it's not really anything new. But uh, in this podcast, Merrick was saying that there was a um, a top prospect for a quote very very prominent NHL team. So let your rumor mill gears spin on what and who that could be. But uh, he was saying how there's a prospect that is currently jeopardizing his his career because he's playing too much video game, too many video games. He's, he's like playing himself uh, to, to all hours, making himself exhausted, which as we know, when you're exhausted, you don't do stuff very well. And especially when it comes to hockey, one of the most exhausting things on this planet, you know, having as much of your energy as possible is obviously the, the, the goal here. I, I know I just said goal. It is a pun. Get off my back. <laughs> um, but uh, I, I personally, uh, am am uh, a little concerned that this is still a problem. I'm 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 curious to this prospect's age. I am very curious as to what sort of feedback and or um, what's the word? 
don't even, I don't even know. I, I don't even, I struggle to think of the word, but basically something along the lines of, I wonder what people are telling him to try and get him to ease off. Right. Cause if it wasn't a problem, as you stated earlier, Peter, then, then, then we wouldn't be talking about this, but obviously the, the normal method, uh, the regular stuff isn't working, Egon, what do we do next? <laughs> so, um, I, I am a gamer myself. I have played to all hours of the night. I know it is it is exhausting um, to, to to do an all night session and stuff. I I guess I'm just curious as to why um, is the 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 player is it, it, it's it's kind of sad to see that this is the you'd like to think that hockey was the thing that's giving him the most interaction and enjoying stuff, but we don't know people's situations. We don't know what they're what they're going through. So. Um, and, and, and this isn't just a hockey thing, Pete, uh, very recently, uh, David Price pitcher for the, uh, hated and forever evil Boston Red Sox, uh, was, uh, a recently diagnosed with carpal tunnel only after it came out that he'd been playing video games a bunch as well, uh, because he's playing this crazy, no nonsense game called Fortnite. Uh, I myself haven't partaken yet. Maybe if I have partaken, maybe I wouldn't be recording this podcast with you right now because I'd be too busy playing it. But it's obviously a thing, Pete. Right? It's this sure. is this is obviously something that's out there. Um, what are your thoughts on? So let's say you are a prospect in an organization's pipeline, and then you have different types of behaviors that are either encouraged or like. Do you see this as something moving forward that teams will? you know, consider prior to drafting people? I mean, I know that there are certain aspects that they look in terms of off-ice behaviors, but, you know, do you think this is going to turn into a, they have to, teams have to now straight up say, hey, um, listen, we know a lot of people like to experiment with things, but uh, we need you to be honest here. How how often are you hitting the sticks, huh? How many times are you hopping on the joysticks, huh? Ten hours? Six hours? I mean... I don't think it's going to be a common thing. I don't think that this is like the beginning of a wave or something like that. Um, But at the same time, I mean, being around teenagers all the time as a teacher, I'm really not like this doesn't take me completely by surprise just because I see how how um, dependent they are on their phones. And it's like. If their phone isn't in the like, like, like they sit down for class and, and they know I'm not going to let them use their phone during class, but they have to have it on their desk, which is like a foot closer to their face than if it were in their pocket or in their yeah. bag. And mm-hmm. th- they have the same access to it because I'm not going to let them use it, but it's like having it there is comforting, you know? And so I do think that there is some type of. Um, I don't know, you know, I'm always careful with, with these words just because of how serious a word like addiction is, you know, it's a very specific word, but I think maybe instead of using the word addiction, maybe if we use like dependence, which I know is very similar and some people, you know, you could probably argue that they're the same thing, but I do see teenagers and not just them, other people being way more dependent on things like their cell phone than say, for example, when I was in high school. And I I mean, I think the thing here is this is just something that he just 
stays up late. You know, it, it's not that it's specifically video games. It could be anything. It could be like he's addicted to reading books. You know, he just can't put it yeah. down. And like, because it's the same thing. It's not even that he's doing video. It's not not just it's not the fact that it's video games. It's the fact that this person reportedly is just staying up all night and it's a lack of energy the next day. So, um, yeah, I don't know. I mean, it's it's an interesting, interesting thing, I guess. I know, obviously, people are going to start trying to guess who it is. We are not going to engage in that type of speculation because that just seems to be damaging for for no really good reason. Like, even if let's say, for example, let's say if we picked it, like, like what, like, what good does that do? Like, how, how does that help anything? Well, um, it doesn't help because all of a sudden you and I have people kicking down our doors, knowing how the heck we would know such a thing. Yeah. Or, if, or then now they're asking us to predict the way the bingo balls are going to fall for the lottery or whatnot because it seems odd. I I think you're right, Pete. I, I, the, the article goes on to call it like a, a video game addiction. You know, like it, it, yeah, it feels like it's, it's too strong, but you're not, but you don't want to discount it. Right. Like you don't want to say it's like, Hey, this is nothing. It's obviously right. something, but maybe it's not as extreme to be put in the same bin as other things that do plague people's lives. Right. And sure. You know, again, everything is for the most part, a privilege when it comes to, to playing hockey, right. You're putting the work in, it's not a right. You still have to earn your spot. You know, yeah, you've been drafted, but that doesn't mean, you know, now you can just go carte blanche and eat all the ice cream you want and watch the reruns of friends until your eyeballs pop out. Right. Like there's, there is a commitment thing here. So I think this is actually also like a good lesson for the kid to learn, right? Like, Hey, there's, at, at, at what cost are these, are these things uh, affecting your life? And, and all that, and, and we obviously wish him the best. We we don't want to see anybody anybody's careers get get ruined because of too much uh, too much video games. I mean, you know, I, I certainly don't want to be the first person to to go on like, yeah, he could have made the next great Batman movie, but Angry Birds, man, what are you gonna do? So uh, there's, I I think hmm. there's something to be said for, you know, at least at least talking about it, at least bringing it up. Yeah. I, I think and you're I, right. I, yeah, go ahead. I, I just want to say just to just to wrap this up, if that's okay with you. Oh that, yeah, yeah, go ahead. That um, you know, you know, if, if anybody's out there is is like, oh come on, that's ridiculous. There's no way that somebody could develop. Like I said, let's let's just call it a dependency. Um, you know, you don't have to look any further to like cell phone games, uh, Candy Crush, etc. Like these companies, they do psychological research to figure out the reward like the timing of the reward the 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 intensity of the reward to give a player to keep them playing to make them want to like i just need to get to the next level so certain video game companies they they really work on this they you know there's the whole debate in the video game community about micro microtransactions or like loot boxes where if you want to play this game and if you want to, you know, be as good as this guy, like you need to spend $4.99. Um, and because of that, I mean, I think there definitely is, you know, reasonable, you know, reason to believe that this, you know, this is accurate, that that this this young man could be just so dependent on this that he needs help to uh, to, to not play, I guess. You know, I, 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 I do think that there is something to it. Um, yeah. So, you know, again. It's it's something to keep an eye on, and 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 we obviously would like to be uh, vigilant and spreading the the positive message that like hey, whatever's bothering you, 
or whatever's affecting you, people care about you. You have places to go. You can you can do stuff. And we certainly hope that this guy can get over this because, you know, hey, getting drafted by, by an NHL team, that's – that's that is certainly an opportunity of a lifetime. We certainly don't want to see him wasted. So, yeah. for the first time ever, as a as an extreme gamer myself, hey, just hop off the sticks yeah. and pick up a real one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there you go. All right. So, uh, thank you for listening to another episode. Or for sure, before we leave, we're going to have our Doc Emmerich verb of the week or verb of the episode. So, what is it this time, Jay? Because it is that high time of year, uh, I'm not just going to do one, Pete. I'm going to do three. Okay. So uh, in, in one sentence, I heard uh, Emmerich say, uh, twisted, stashed, and soccered. Twisted, stashed, and soccered. Mm-hmm. Now, those are all com- contra- different uh, in their own right. But to hear all of them assembled in a sentence like, in the zone, twisted around, s- s- uh, back to the point stashed sock like you're trying to think like how i can't even do that right now and and but he's able to do that so uh, twisted stashed mm-hmm. soccered we really we really twisted this one pete yeah we really we, we really stashed this one and and, and it's soccered along like <laughs> like how do you how do you even do that so again today's emmerich verbs twisted stashed soccered which is funny because soccer means kicking, and the distinct kicking motion is no good in this game. Well, maybe so. he's passing it. Well, okay, but it's the playoffs, right? Anything goes. Exactly. <laughs> as, as we said. There you go. So that's that's us, Pete, right? Yep. The, 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 the first year podcast. Where, where can you find us? Where can they find us, Pete? Well, that's, that's a good thing you asked that because you can follow us at Twitter. Um, I am at P. Flynn Hockey. Jay is at the Roar underscore 24. Our... Uh, our podcast is at 200 foot pod. That's two zero zero FTPOD. And you can find our, uh, you can get for sure merchandise like shirts and, and hoodies and good things like that. Um, if you go to tinyurl.com slash F E R S H I R T, which is for shirt. All right. So thank you so much for listening and we'll see you in two weeks. For sure. For sure. For sure. For sure. For sure, 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 for sure,